Hi, one and all. Welcome to the last word voices of this season. Football. It's all done, but that's not stopping us. Time to take an extended glance at each member of Manchester United's squad for this season and offer frank, silly and flippant judgments all over the shop. Because it's us. And why not? So tonight, it's myself, Ewan, Harriet and Richard. We're going to be going through every single throw in the squad, as mentioned. There's also, at the end of the episode, a nice musical tribute to the season, which I hope you'll stick around for. More on that later. Richard, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm excellent, excellent. I'm actually far more interested to talk to Harriet on this one occasion because he's actually been doing something very, very interested and related to uh, our actual club in the last 24 hours. So should, should we saunter over to Harriet and see how she is? <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, I've had an interesting 24 hours. I was at the launch of the Adidas Nemesis boot last night uh, in a very swanky event in London. Ander Herrera and Jesse Lingard were there, in which we asked them to choose their favourite Snapchat filter. Now, the Snapchat filters chosen by Ander Herrera in particular were particularly special. We have an image of him as Marilyn Monroe would you believe? So uh, that should be hitting hitting Twitter in the next kind of 24 hours. Um, so keep keep your eyes peeled for that. I mean, I can't deny that I'm excited. <laughs> and also, to be fair, I mean, he was just such a great sport anyway. He was everything you'd expect him to be. This event was all about uh, being agile because that is the that is what the boot is all about, this nemesis boot. The whole kind of nature of the event was that 442 had a, had a space and we didn't know who was going to turn up when and we had to set them a few challenges and to be fair to them Jesse and Anna were both well up for giving anything that we uh, we we threw at them basically so we got them doing tennis ball keepy uppies a hat trick challenge of sorts where they had to control a, a ball that was thrown over a kind of a, a blackout screen yeah so that was pretty cool they were just top blokes hmm. which was really good because sometimes when you meet when you meet these these stars, they're just they're a bit, you know, standoffish, and they do so many of these things that they're just bombarded with people, and they just they don't really want to be there. But actually, last night they were they were having a laugh, and it was a good night. Good, good night. But I can't help but feel like we've concentrated so much on what you're actually doing as opposed to the person. So, Harry, it's been a while. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Recovering from a bit of a a summer cold, which is like the worst thing ever. Um, so we went to the pub last week after work and I was so poorly that I didn't even have a beer. Sacrilege. Well, to start with, I didn't have a beer. I didn't have a beer to start with because I thought, right, I need to be sensible. And then not having a beer made me really miserable, so <laughs> I had a beer. <laughs> Alcohol, the cause and solution to all of life's problems. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Right, gang, let's crack on. So, uh, for everyone listening, just to give you an idea of what the procedure is this evening... I'm going to pick a player for Rich, Rich will pick a player for Harriet, and Harriet is going to pick a player for me, and we will go all through the squad and offer flippant judgments. It'll be great. Right, Richard, starting with you, you get uh, Sergio Romero. Carry on. Ah, Sergio, the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Already feeling like a good decision. (laughs) Sergio Romero, he's gone from last season where he seemed like a pretty decent backup keeper with a mistake in him to being an you know a realistically quite decent goalie and one of the heroes of the Europa League run I would say yeah just looking like a giant in goal and I'd say that he's had a pretty good season all round I, I suppose I suppose from his perspective he'd like to have played more than that but I presume there was some agreement with Mourinho at the start of the season that he'd he'd get the Europa League games but I would have thought from his perspective it couldn't have been a better season and he's got to pick up a trophy which is nearly as big as him at the end of it. 
Hmm. Yeah, it worked out quite well. I mean, moment of the season, uh, I would potentially go for that Christian Novoa free kick in the uh, second leg of the Rostov tie, which he tipped over. The final whistle went immediately after that, and he saved a rather embarrassing uh, half hour of extra time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he must have made you know, four or five really top quality saves throughout that Europa League run, and you know, you could always say he's he's as responsible for us getting to the final winning it as anybody else although bitterly in the final itself he had almost nothing to do but yeah i mean he's had a pretty positive season i'd say what do you see about him for next season though do you think he'll stick around it's difficult to say isn't it because Mourinho has been effusive in his praise of joel Pereira. he potentially sees him as the next portugal goalkeeper but you can't imagine that if Pereira doesn't go out on loan that he's you know that Mourinho sees a player of that potential just kind of odd jobbing in his third choice and given the season Romero's had, he could certainly be a pretty effective first-choice keeper at, I'd say, the majority of Premier League clubs or you know, top-flight clubs in decent leagues. So I guess it depends on what he wants, doesn't it? Whether he's whether he's happy playing for United. I know, um, I forget who it was, I, I know there was a journalist that um, had interviewed him and said that he was just absolutely delighted to be at United and he was so happy to be where he was and he appreciated, you know, that he was at one of the biggest clubs in the world and if listening to that you think that perhaps he's the sort of guy who would be happy to um you know to play in the cups and just appreciate where he is but but he may get the itch and want to play more and and move on i don't really know i, I guess it really depends on what Mourinho's plans are for for Pereira next season fair dues right do you want to prod us on then rich harriet i give you luke shaw oh luke oh yeah bless him i love luke shaw that seems to be pretty much the start of everyone's sentence when they mention Luke Shaw to them. Oh, bless him. <laughs> um, <laughs> With a condescending pat on the head to boot. But seriously, though, bless him. Well, after last season, coming back from that horrific leg break, it was always going to be, you know, he'd always been built up uh, at the beginning of the season. This is, this is the season for him to really kind of make his mark at left-back for, for United. But when Mourinho came in, you know, it was always going to be a bit different for him, wasn't it? Because he he said no to him at Chelsea and Mourinho's admitted that he is not an arm around the shoulder type type of manager. He is very much make players play with broken bones type of manager. Um, and not sure that Luke Shaw is, is that kind of player. So he started off relatively well, but then, as, as we said, it's it all kind of went a little bit wrong at left back at Watford when he got dug out by Mourinho for being out of position and we've spoken about it on the podcast about how that was kind of blown up in the press a little bit where he didn't you know he wasn't completely dug out just him it was kind of a team thing but he didn't play too much after that and he's been criticized on and off all season Mourinho has said I can't trust him as much I can't you know he doesn't train as well as as Blind as Damian so it's been an odd season for sure because when he has played there have been flashes of what we know he can do and he can play brilliantly you know he's a brilliant attacking defender but defensively is where (laughs) unfortunately things have been going a little bit wrong for him which is not ideal for a left back yeah it's not ideal for a left back is it although it seems to be the way that quite quite a lot of other than Juventus um just don't concede quite a lot of defenders across world football at the moment are more interested in attacking than they are defending which is odd but yeah, in terms of, of his season, considering he's now on crutches again, which is a real shame for him, it's it's been a real mixed bag. I'm not sure whether he's going to stay. If he does, I think that's a, a testament to his mentality. 
and the fact that he said that you know he he wants to prove to the fans that he's really grateful for the support that he received during his his injury. I'd like to see him stay because I don't think we've seen the best of him and he's been unlucky with transition of managers and his injuries. So I'd like to see him stay. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah, I'd agree. I mean, in terms of a moment that sticks out for sure, there's not necessarily too many, but I think the one that really gave me hope that he's actually still got something to offer at United and in general, because it's not like his talent has just disappeared overnight just because Mourinho has taken over. It was a substitution when he came on against Everton. And he didn't necessarily turn the game, but it's just so clear in that sort of 20-minute cameo, I think it was. He offered so much threat down that left-hand side. And you can say because of the difference in tactics where we've been pushing forward primarily on the right with Valencia, with Martial, who has struggled to get that support on the left, a fit and firing Luke Shaw could be huge down that left flank next season. Yeah, I think the problem is we're always talking about potential with Luke Shaw, aren't we? And I think it's, just been, I think it's been really mm. unfortunate timing for him in terms of coming back for the injury that Mourinho came in and A, that he's a, a very demanding coach from the off uh, both in training no. both in training and in matches and, and obviously he, he <laughs> came into a situation where he needed to win games pretty quickly you know he, he wasn't really coming in to build his his aim was to at very least get Champions League this year and so he, he hasn't been able to or hasn't chosen to have a lot of patience with players who aren't playing particularly well and and so yeah. you know, I think I think Shaw was a bit of a victim of that, and he certainly was playing quite poorly at the start of the season in, in a defensive sense, at least. And so you could see why he was dropped. I mean, we might disagree about the way that Mourinho has gone about chastising in public, but you can see why he hasn't played as many games and why he was dropped to that point. Um, and it almost might be that the current injury he's got actually saved his bacon because. I think it's going to—it's a few months recuperation for him, and it may just be that that nobody would take a chance on him while he was injured anyway, and so he may, you know, still be mm. around by the time he gets fit to have another crack at it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people also forget that he's only twenty-one mm. because he's been around for for such a long time, or it feels like. Um, so, in that sense, when people do talk about his potential, there is still kind of legs in that um, because you know what. 21-year-old defensive player, at least, is the finished article by then, and not many. Phil Jones? Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely worth it. I was just choking there. I think Rich is right that his injury might actually be a good thing. And I think there were green shoots of potential in the relationship with Mourinho being on the turn, maybe. Sounds good. All right, Harry, who have you got for me? Oh, who are we going to go with? I'm going to give you Michael Carrick. See, that's not too bad. That, that, that This is a fairly gentle start. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carrick was a bit of an odd one. I mean, we were speaking about this last season, Rich, where we basically we felt like it was time for Carrick to leave after Van Hal's second season, after he got the boot. And Carrick didn't actually start a game, I don't think, until we played... Gosh, was it Northampton in the uh, the EFL Cup in the third round? And he was asked pretty candidly by Sky Sports how he felt about Mourinho not really playing him. And I think as the season wore on, Carrick's usefulness and the fact that he can very clearly still do a job for us in midfield to a certain extent was revealed that Mourinho then started to play him more and he became more of an influential figure. You know, in the last week, is it, he's just signed another contract extension, so he'll be sticking around. It's a similar situation to a certain extent with Ibrahimovic with Carrick to the sense that 
I don't mind having him about the club as long as he's managed and he doesn't play every game. And Carrick can't play every game. I don't think he's played anywhere near as much football as he did last season, which is positive. It means that we're relying on him less. That's not to say that the options that we have to replace him in the likes of, well, Fellaini to a certain extent, uh, are incredibly better than he is. But at the same time, it's nice to see that we are starting to move away from reliance on Carrick. I think he's had a pretty good season as normal. And I think towards the end of it, it was clear that he was struggling to a certain extent and I'm not necessarily sure it was an incorrect decision not to play him not to start him in the Europa League final but when he is on it he is still as dependable and fluid and just doesn't really put much of a foot wrong but I do think hopefully this year we are going to see something more of a consistent midfield form without him going forward. Rich you get Martial. Ah oh and He's had a funny season, hasn't he? In a way, in a way it's a good thing. In, in another sense, it's a negative. But he came to the club as a teenager last season and essentially immediately became our best player by miles. And the only player we had capable of making any difference to games that were that were quite tight. It was an incredible amount of pressure to suddenly be lumped on a guy who'd only played 50-odd games, senior games in his career. I suppose with, with hindsight, there was always likely to be a drop-off of, of sorts in the second season just because was unlikely that a player of that age was going to be able to be that consistent for into a second season. I, I'm not convinced that Mourinho's handled him as well as he might have done. I mean, obviously, we don't see what ha- what's happening in training. But again, he's another one who's been quite vociferously attacked in the media by Mourinho. And it, it felt, for the first half of the season at least, like he, he really wasn't getting the chance to get any sort of form, a streak of form together. He'd play a game, played very well against... West Ham in the League Cup, the 4-1 win, scored twice. And then he had a poor, a poor game in the next game and suddenly he's disappeared again down into LVG's dungeon. Mourinho's taken over. It just, it's it, it felt like a season where he just hasn't really got started. And there's been the odd suggestion that we might even be open to selling him. I can't, I can't imagine that's the case. I don't, for a start, I don't think we've got the numbers in attack to be in a position to throw one of our most technically gifted players away even if he's not uh, you know sort of full consistency at the moment in terms of his best moment of the season he was terrific in that West Ham game and I really loved his goal against Stoke in the one-all draw it's just a shame there haven't been as many big moments as there were last season I guess you know if you were going to mark him I guess you'd say he's had a six out of ten season which is 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 okay but but he needs to produce a lot more next season Mourinho needs to get a lot more out of him I'm going to give Harriet one matter one matter Oh, you guys, you guys like me. You're giving me the nice ones. Just wait. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, moment of the season, I'm going to start with that, is the fact that I think we all had the fear when Mourinho was announced as, as manager that we might not be seeing the three amigos together for very long, um, given that Mourinho sold matter to us when he was at Chelsea. But the fact that he's come out and and said, I have no problem with Mourinho. And Mourinho has come out and said it wasn't his decision necessarily to, to sell him and he wouldn't, he didn't have any sort of personal problem with him. That stilled our, our beating hearts for a bit there. It's been, again, a, a bit of a mixed season for all of them, I think we're all going to say, apart from a couple. I'm struggling here. I can't think of any kind of proper standouts for matter help me out fellas i think that's kind of the thing with one is that he's actually scored some rather important goals but not anything that you consider massive i think the biggest one-off goal yeah. that he's got this season was probably the goal against city in the efl cup you know he's got the opening goal against watford when you're struggling to get a goal shocking for us i know 
<laughs> and he did get the uh, struggling for goals. <laughs> yeah, I know, ridiculous. Who'd have thought it? And then there was the goal at home to Rostov in the second leg of the Europa League last sixteen. Gosh, do you remember the Europa League campaign, guys? That went on for fucking ever. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right, Harriet. I think that that kind of characterises Matt's season. He's been good. He's done his bit, and he's contributed a nice chunk of goals. Tend to be exact with four assists. But as much as I love that man, Kev's been saying this for some time, and I agree with him, Matter may end up being a key figure in our transition to a better, more successful side, as opposed to being a core part of that future side. But then again, as long as we keep him around and uh, the Super Best Friends Club doesn't get broken up, then I'm not going to complain whatsoever. <laughs> the thing about the eternal wish for one Matter is that he could just run faster, isn't it? You know, if, 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 if he, if he, yes. if, if he had pace, he'd be a genuinely, I think, top-class footballer. But but he hasn't, and so you know where do you play? He, he doesn't quite fit, hasn't quite fitted in as a ten, and we don't necessarily play with a ten that much. But he just doesn't have the pace to be a real threat on on in a sort of wide wide attack midfield position either. So it's always been a question of where he fits in. Yeah, definitely, and I think he's a technically superb footballer, and the way he can bring the ball under his control and the vision that he's got is exceptional. He sees things that other players just don't, but when you need goals and you're in the situation where running out of time maybe and it's nil-nil at Old Trafford, that kind of Hollywood pass isn't the way to go and it's not like he can run past the player at ease. So it, it's difficult when assessing him because he doesn't go missing in matches. He never really gets started sometimes and that's that's the difficulty with him, like you said earlier. So, um, yeah, it's again, I, if I was going to give him a, a rating... I guess it would be a six or a six and a half. Oh, yeah. I was, I was thinking, I was six or a seven, but I was like, no, nah, I can't give him a seven. Did no one hug you enough? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I love, I love it. Like, like you said, everybody loves him, and I think actually having his character in the dressing room is as important as uh, what he offers on the pitch. And I think that that might be a consideration in terms of recruitment this summer. Sorry, transfers. Mm. Bad word. Um, but, That's fine. I thought of a highlight there. Did you see that video that Eric Bailly posted? Of yes. Dancing earlier in the season. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, that's definitely the highlight. Um, and also, oh, his blogs, obviously. Um, the, the Hugs blogs. It just lightens up on Monday, my matters blogs. That's a bit sad, though, isn't it, that I have to say that that's a highlight. It's, do you know what? Oh, if, if, if love won leagues, we'd be champions. We'd be champions of Europe, wouldn't we? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this United team is essentially the International League of Best Buds, so yeah. I'm fine with that. That's, that's absolutely acceptable. <laughs> as long as Dave stays, we're, we're good with it. Cool. Okay. My turn to give you an, a player. Who are we going to give you? Let's go with Daily Blind. Daily Blind. Okay. Started off as a centre-back, again, much to the chagrin of plenty of people considering that uh, we had signed a centre-back, um, and formed a sort of relatively solid partnership with Bailly at the start of the season, which was uh, relatively impressive. I think you do kind of need a player like Blind in your team. You look at the likes of Barcelona, you've got Mascherano who will literally play wherever you put him and he will work hard and he will get it done. I wouldn't necessarily put Blind up in that sort of same bracket but every single place and position that he's played at United he's played in what defensive midfielder, left back and centre back he can do a job. We all know he's got mistakes in him. 
And I don't think we've necessarily learned anything more about Blind that we didn't already know. And in that goal that he scored against Sunderland, I think we also were reminded that he does actually have a decent shot on him. But at the same time, I, I can't really bring myself to criticise him too heavily or, you know, hope that we maybe move him on because, you know, he clearly cares. And whoever he's asked to play with, he'll find a way to make it work in centre-back. You know, he's played with what? Smalling and Rojo and by at different points in the season. And he is able to bring out the best of them because his reading of the game is just that good. And that's why it's it's great to have him in the team for that. You know, I think 34 appearances the whole season, which suggests that he is still, to a certain extent, something of an odd job man and he will come in as and when requires. So I don't necessarily know if he will form a part of Mourinho's key plans going forward next season. But still one guy that I'm really, really happy to have around. I like him. I'll give him a handsome out of 10. He is handsome, isn't he? <laughs> this is very true. Rich. Hi. You know uh, how much Kev loves Matteo Damian? Yeah. <laughs> you know how much you love hating things? Yeah. Matteo Damian. There you go. Uh, you know, the thing is I don't hate Matteo Damian, though. I think we'd all concluded by, apart from apart from Kev, who obviously was blinded by his by his love for, for Matteo. I think we'd all concluded that he'd had something of a disappointing first season after a fairly positive start. Got Van Hal. He did get Van Hal. that's true. Um, and I think I think that, that Van Haalitis maybe carried on for the uh, into the, into the new season. And I think if you'd asked me three months ago whether I saw a future for Darmian at United, I uh, told you there absolutely wasn't. But I think Mourinho's seen something in, in the last two or three months in terms of his tactical astuteness and his ability to to play several positions in a in a disciplined way and to follow instruction and to be solid and not make terrible mistakes that has really um i think put him firmly back in in Mourinho's plans for next season if only as a as that that incredibly versatile really useful defender and i think the final of the Europa League really epitomized his end to the season you know i thought he was probably long, alongside Fellaini perhaps united's best player on the night and no, I agree uh, you know he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong and i mean you know most of the team played very well but he i think he particularly defended exceptionally well and you could see in that if you to watch that game you could see his value particularly to a pragmatist like Mourinho who and particularly to a pragmatist like Mourinho who loves versatile tactically astute defenders and quite you know relatively cynical you know he's another one you know it's a squad who appears to be a really really lovely guy but is has clearly got bite when he steps on a football pitch he's not quite ander but he's you know he's got he's got a bit of niggle there you know so again if you'd asked me two or three months ago i'd have said he probably had a five out of ten season but i'd say maybe touching seven by the end and i'd say his his moment of the season well his game of the season was the final which i think was probably one of his best games for united and there's that lovely video of arriving home and his girlfriend opening the door and he's just standing there in his united suit grinning in the most endearing way, which just just made me like him a little bit more. Aww. Isn't this so much nicer than last year's review? I don't think we've <laughs> tested each other yet, have we? I'm sure there are a few. I'm sure there are a few on here. Uh, when, once Chris Balling comes out, the gloves going to be off, aren't they? Yeah, go on. <laughs> blood and blood and guts everywhere. <laughs> go on then. You up, Rich? <laughs> go on then. I, 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 I tell you what, then, um, Harriet, Chris, oh, no. Chris Balling. Ah, <laughs> oh, this one's going to be short. Okay, he looks like a fish out of water more often than not doesn't he I mean he goes all guns blazing flies into a tackle or you know climbs above someone to win a header and then he's in possession and he looks like 
an absolute rabbit in headlights and doesn't know what to do with himself. I think he was always known as a, a ball-playing centre-back when he was in the non-league. And every time he's gone up a, a level, he's really found out that it's a lot more difficult than it than it is in the non-leagues when uh, you're playing against... Well, yeah, I've lost my trail of thought there. I mean, He'll do this that morning to you, does to that fair. to a girl. Yeah, exactly. Who does that to, to to any one of us? You remember Louis Saha, that wonderful man, that awesome striker that we had. All the, oh, gosh. Yes. Just 11, 12 years ago now. Good grief. He had one electric 12 months for us for the calendar year of 2006, where he was absolutely ace and could barely put a foot wrong. Then injuries and Hevez. And United suddenly having a much more functioning attack uh, sort of stopped his United career and he left. But for that year point, he mm. was great. And I think Smalling is in a similar situation to a certain extent in that he's had one very, very good calendar year. So in Smalling's case, that would be the second half of Van Hal's first season, 2014-2015, and the first half of Van Hal's second season, which was 2015-2016. And he's just struggling to get anywhere near that level of consistency again. You know, as, we, as Rich and I sort of said on the uh, the Europa League uh, final review pod, he did actually play a pretty damn good game in Stockholm. You know, he got rid of everything that came his way for the most part. But I don't think he's going to get up to that level again, do you? No. No, I mean, he did He did get he got rid of everything that came his way in the Europa League final. But in all honesty, there wasn't a great deal that came his way that wasn't easy to deal with. I mean, he had a foot on most of those players. He just swept up whenever was needed. And they, I mean, in the Europa League final, if Ajax had played anywhere near the way that they've been playing this season, we would have been in serious trouble with, with Smalling at centre-back, I think. I, I think we did have a system which kind of protected everybody else, didn't it? You know, it was very much about being compact and not allowing individual players to get isolated against you know very adept dribblers. And so I think they were drilled to the point where Smalling almost wasn't capable of of being in a situation where he could drop a bollock that causes us to concede a goal. I mean, Smalling's got two problems, hasn't he? One of, the, one of them is that I don't think he concentrates well enough. And, and he's always there's always a chance that he'll just switch off, that the strike will get a couple of yards on him. Um, I think, you know, we saw it as an example in the Arsenal game at the Emirates where he just lost well back for the header. And it's just little things like that. He, he, he just oh, loses... Oh, yeah. He just loses his position sometimes. But the, but the other one, which is equally as important, is that he's absolutely scared shitless of a football. Yeah. You know, as long as Smalling's playing, you're going to see a very large proportion of hoofs 70 yards up the pitch to, to no one in particular, because that's the only way he knows to get rid of get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. He does have two goals this season, fair play. Um, that doesn't mitigate the rest for me. I think if we sign a centre-back this summer, then he's, he's the man in the box seat to be ejected to... Stoke, oh, maybe. Stoke. Oh, fate worse than death. Oh. <laughs> Join Fletch. Right, Harry, who have you got for me? Let's go with Maran Fellaini. Oh, who hurt you? <laughs> no, sorry. I thought this one would be quite an enjoyable one to do, actually, because everybody loves to hate him, and then everybody hates to love him a little bit, too. I mean, I actually don't hate him as much as most United fans seem to. I mean... I think the interesting thing with Fellaini going forward is the fact that I don't think Mourinho is going to sell him this summer. I don't think he's minded to. I think that he has a use for him. I do think, hopefully, Mm -hmm. I will hope we're in a situation next season where we don't have to use him quite so much to the point where he could potentially be a viable option in uh, United midfield going forward in a big game as we saw in Stockholm. But as you can see in that sort of instance, he clearly cares. He will 
as he even said for himself, he'll walk through walls for Mourinho, which is what the manager wants. So that's why he has his uses, you know, and he scored, you know, a fair few big goals for us. He is very, very good if you can get the ball and a lovely curling cross as Rashford did and basically he doesn't have to jump in order to get a header and score an important goal. You know, a couple of times he's broken games open for us, you know, and that Celtic goal when we were sort of just starting to get going in that second leg in the semi-final of the Europa League was huge for us. And he has had some big moments and I think... I don't mind him staying as long as he is not de facto midfield destroyer. You know, I, I think we can do and yeah. we should be doing better than him. And I think there's also the situation where you can just see moments like the the derby where he stupidly shoved, well, basically nutted Aguero, fake nutted Aguero and got himself sent off in a difficult situation, got himself banned in a situation where already low on players. And he still has those moments in him and he still has games where he can be terrible but mostly he is good enough to justify the situation just about but I do think United need to be looking forward anyway Richard you can have Jesse Lingard oh thanks uh right okay Jesse you remember do you remember Ronaldo's second season when he seemed to be there was an incredible amount of debate about him whether he was a preening diver or a or a genius or whatever else and he came out in an interview and said that why with him is everything always polemic and everyone, and 90% of the population had to look up the word polemic in, in the dictionaries because none of us knew what it oh, meant. Oh, actually, that was the 2006-2007 season. We're actually yeah. getting good. I think it was the it was the Portsmouth, no, it was the Middlesbrough game in the Cup where he uh, sort of went over a little bit easily but then scored the penalty that meant we got through in a Cup tie. But yes, yeah. so continue. Well, there's kind of the same, the same narrative with Jesse Lingard except that he's obviously not a tenth of as talented as... Cristiano Ronaldo was. But the point is, you've got this the two sides of the coin. You've got this, he's not a kid anymore. I'm not going to say kid because a thousand people will swear down their radios or phones or whatever. I mean, but you've got an academy graduate who's come into the first team. We all like to see that. It's good for the squad and the club to have an element of Mancunian about it to, to keep it local, to keep it, to, keep, to maintain its roots. I mean, Jesse and Marcus have manked for the whole damn squad, surely. They certainly try. But on the other hand, there is, there is the, the fact that he isn't an exceptionally gifted footballer. I don't think he has an exceptional attribute. He's not incredibly quick. He's not a brilliant dribbler. He's not a prolific goal scorer. He's not a great finisher. But what he, he's like Fellaini in a way, in that there is so much evidence which tells you that he shouldn't really be part of a very successful United team or he wouldn't necessarily be part of a very successful United team but then there's the little bit where he keeps scoring in a final or scoring in a semi-final or occasionally thundering one in from 30 yards and all those people on the other side of the coin can say look isn't it brilliant how there's our academy player and look at the goal look at the really important goals he scores and and so you can kind of see both sides I can see a reason for keeping him around the squad but I think that ultimately if United were to get back to the level they should be at in the Premier League and in Europe, I don't see how he'd be playing much in that circumstance. Mm. And I got the feeling after he signed his new deal, Mourinho was asked about it afterwards, and he almost seemed a bit cross about it. Not that he got a new deal because he clearly wanted to keep Lingard, but the amount of money he'd got and implied quite significantly that players, particularly English players, really had English clubs over a barrel now because of their, their value as homegrown players, because of their value as youth graduates from the club and everything else. And I think I think he didn't necessarily approve of the amount of money that Lingard was earning, but wanted to keep him around. 
And I, I suppose it's kind of symbolic of this, just this eternal question. I think for as long as Lingard's at the club, there will always be this, this discussion about what are his values to the team. But I think the next time United win the European Cup, I doubt Jesse Lingard will be, if he's still of a playing age, that Jesse Lingard will be a, a serious part of the club. He's a 6 out of 10 player every week, isn't he? Very rarely get more than 7, and very rarely get worse than a 4 or 5. He's never terrible, he's never absolutely exceptional. That's true, but at the same point, he is very, very good at scoring very, very good goals. Yeah, but he just doesn't score enough of them. Or he, One of his things is he's actually better at the the more difficult, the instinctive kind of long mm. shots. But he's, he's finishing from close range when he has time to think about it isn't necessarily very good. Mm. You know, I, I can see his value as a squad player at the moment. And I, and I do like that he and Rashford enable us to keep a, a link with the locality and our roots and things. What about a moment for the season, Rich? I mean, obviously he scored in the League Cup final. I, I'd say his best goal was probably the uh, the goal at Middlesbrough. 20 yard, 25 yard wanger into the top corner, which I guess is the... It's the goal that every every kid wants to wants to score for their boyhood club. So I, I'd go for that. Although I can appreciate that probably most people would go for the League Cup final goal. You think about it again. He had a very very good goal against Fenerbahce in the group stages of the Europa League, and got that nice little dribble goal against Leicester in the Community Shield. So there's a fair few to choose from with him. Anyway, Rich, you carry on. Harriet, Herrick Mkhitaryan. Well, overall, he's had a really decent first season in the Premier League. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, he was one of one of the many that Mourinho was digging out a little bit, uh, especially after the derby, when substituted at half-time and was called out for not doing his job correctly uh, in the in the build-up to City's first goal. But, uh, you know, it takes a bit of a bit of time to, to get used to a new league, a new um, kind of physical... Uh, the physical demands of the Premier League. Um, but I think he's done that impressively well I mean considering in the Europa League final last week as well he was he was biting some ankles and you know really putting it about a bit making sure that he's he's working hard for the team and not just when we're in possession we were waxing lyrical about Juan Mata's first touch and what he can do with the ball but technically Mkhitaryan's one of the best that I've seen he's one of those players that every time he gets the ball you kind of almost edge of the seat kind of what's he what's he going to do with it and obviously moment of the season I don't care that it was offside because well it wasn't given as offside it has to be the scorpion kick against Sunderland uh watched that again and again and again and you know was voted goal of the season at the awards and rightly so I can't believe it Giroud did the same thing like a week later it's just just rude I don't know I think he undercut it the following week with that stupid celebration after he got the third goal against Bournemouth though yes that's true. Uh, that's very. Oh God, bringing back horrible flashbacks. That was horrendous. Yeah. So I, I think overall, it's, it's a solid first season. I mean, he, are we counting three tro- uh, three trophies in your first season? Two trophies. Two, two trophies, trophies isn't it? It's not. How about two and a half? Um, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad return after your first season in England. And considering the hype of him being the most prolific creator in Bundesliga you know and that tag that he came with I know he came alongside Pogba at the same time but I think people were just as eager to see him fail in the Premier League and I think he's he has silenced those doubters and then some and I'm looking forward to his second season I've got to pick one for you now let's go with who did I give you last time Wayne Rooney oh you <laughs> right well I'm going to start with moment of the season for uh, for all purely because his moment of the season is very very straightforward it's that free kick against Stoke you know that was a beautiful goal you know easily the best one he scored for us for some time and a reminder that he is actually a really special player you know and the thing is 
or has been a really special player. And the funny thing with Rooney is that you don't necessarily have to go too far to find a really good compilation of all the great things that he's done for United over his 13 years at the club. But I think one of the things that has been quite, well, maybe not gratifying, but one of the things that has you know given me some sort of feeling like we've moved on from Ferguson and Moyes and Van Hal is the way that Mourinho has handled Rooney. You know, I think it was the game against Watford where Rooney had an absolute stinker of performance. I mean, stinker that that term doesn't even do that performance justice. He was just—I don't know. I mean, I—I I feel like I'm choking on my own bile here thinking about that match, but still. Um, and then basically, you didn't come back into the team against Leicester. He was benched for that, and that was a statement. And that's pretty much how it went for the rest of the season. You know, he only made. 26 performances this season and 14 of those were as a substitute you know starts were really really hard for him to come by you know he was not part of United's core side by what sort of September October time you know he got dropped out of the team and didn't really find a way back into it I think it's interesting that Mourinho mentioned that he'd be happy if Rooney stuck around for another season and you know I guess there's there's definitely an experience level there and everyone who speaks of Rooney talks about him in such glowing terms in terms of his influence his skill and his ability and I get that, you know, they're with him every day. They know what he's accomplished in the game. And he's England's top scorer, United's top scorer now as of this season. And those are both tremendous achievements. And you've got to thank him for what he's done for United. But at the same time, I am now glad we're in a position where we are not chucking him into the side and forcing him into the team every game. And I think one of the things that I'm grateful to Mourinho for this term is the fact that he told Rooney he wasn't going to play in midfield and he's kept to that pretty much he said if you're going to play at number 10 here play at number 10 and show me and you know the analogy was used so much but he basically gave him just enough rope to hang himself to prove that he can't quite cop at this level anymore and there's no shame in that you know his body is just caught up with him time is caught up with him the game has just seemingly passed him by and I think it's now time this summer him to move on and to me i kind of hope that's what happened i was gonna use the analogy of like like you know when you're at school and you do the the, the wheelbarrow races and you're the legs of the wheelbarrow and if all the kids do say the first 80 percent of the race and there's one out out ahead and then his arms just go about five yards from the line and then the next one comes along you think he's going to win it and his arms go again and then the next one eventually they'll just crawl over the line and that's been the last five years of rooney's career really united just desperately trying to get over the line with that record. That's the point when everybody can say, you know, that you've been brilliant for us, Wayne. Thanks very much. You can go over your record and we can move you on and buy somebody who's actually anywhere near the level we need you to be at anymore. Here's a Manchester United branded towel and a gift certificate for the megastore. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And please, please come back, but, but not for a while. Right, well, we'll take a quick break from the play reviews to grab a couple of Twitter questions. So, Plague asks... How do we handle footballing depression after this season? I mean, I don't know about you two, but I'm kind of enjoying the downtime, quite frankly, after that season. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. man. I mean, I'm uh, after last summer as well, the fact that, you know, tournament and sagas after sagas with Pogba. And, and I know that might happen again. I'm mentioning the, the T word again. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm actually quite quite looking forward to not finding out after, you know, 90 minutes on a Saturday afternoon that it's nil-nil again. Quite looking forward to a bit of downtime and to get that kind of anticipation back where you're properly excited for the for the new season because you haven't had the, any football all summer. I always find that it's almost like the distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. Absence makes the heart grow fonder in this sense, I think. 
Well, we have so many international competitions now, don't we? They're very, it's very rarely a summer where there isn't significant amounts of something football. going on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so having a, a, a proper break for a couple of months is actually quite rare. And given that the last few seasons have actually been quite long and grinding seasons as a fan, it, it is quite nice just to have that break, isn't it? And then really come back to it refreshed in August and look forward to all the wonderfully world-class players that I've no doubt Edward Wood will sign between now and August. No, well, I mean, you started mentioning it there, and we've been prodding at that all evening, so let's just jump straight into it. At Izzy Roberts 22 says, Griezmann is very much a one-off and probably best operates as a number 10 or a false 9. Now that it seems he's not coming, at the moment, is there a case of filling that spot or focusing on areas we already were looking at filling on, like uh, centre-forward, central defensive midfielder, centre-back, and maybe a winger? I guess it depends on how Mourinho intended to use him. He's one of those players who's so wonderfully gifted and versatile that he can he can play as a striker, he can play as a 10, he can play wide, and he scores goals. And obviously one of our biggest issues has been scoring goals. And Mourinho obviously had a, a specific role for him in mind. He, you know, he wasn't going to spend £85 million on a player without knowing exactly what he wanted to do with him. The question is whether he will now look for a player who provides a similar type of role that Griezmann would have done or whether we buy the really transparent didn't want him anyway line that we're now looking for a now looking for a powerful centre forward which we may well end looking for purely because there isn't another player of Griezmann's type who's on his level at the moment there isn't really an alternative to him you know I suppose it adds more intrigue I think if, if this had happened and on August the 28th we'd all be it would be a big blow but it's, it's June the 2nd and there's a long way to go and we've just got to see how the summer transpires from here. Uh, Chris McGuffin asks what is your best advice of following the transfer window? Um, turning off Twitter for to the next two months and then joining back up in August and seeing how it's all followed? Uh, and who's your realistic dream signing? Harriet? Oof. Dream signing. Um, I can't say Griezmann, can I? I mean, you can. Um, I mean, it, it, it might not happen, but you can still say it. Well, I don't want to be predictable. To be honest, I, if there's no talk of any sort of reality about it, I actually, the player that I'm, I was a bit gutted that we missed out on, not last season, perhaps the season before, um, was Matt Hummels. And if we could ever sign him, I'd love us to sign him because I just thought that he was exactly the kind of uh, authoritative centre-back figure that we needed. Um, somebody who was just going to take a game by the scruff of the neck if they needed it, and also teammates by the scruff of the neck to drag him up. He was always my first, uh, my first ever signing on FIFA, regardless of, <laughs> of wherever I was, whatever team I was playing with. If I could get Matt Hummels, he was the one. In terms of actual realistic signings, I would, I would definitely have gone with Griezmann because adding him to the roster, can, like Rich said, he scores goals, and that is across Europe at the moment. You know, he's he's one player that is doing it consistent outside of you know Ronaldo's and Messi's and he is doing it year in year out and he just adds something again a little bit different he can win a match on his own and yeah he would have been a a good addition with with Pogba linking up with Pogba but um we'll see we'll see Richard I think I'd probably go for Mbappe just because I don't think you see a player of that age who's as developed and as gifted as he is very often. I, c- I can think back to when United had Rooney and Ronaldo as 18-year-olds and just thinking about the, the ceiling of their ability and just how good they be- could become. And with him, you get 
the impression he, he he's almost like an 18 year old Rooney not not in style but in terms of the way that he has just come into the highest level of football you can play at in the Champions League and just he looks like a better footballer than 95% of the rest of the players in Europe at 18 it's, it's absurd really and there's a reason why every big club in Europe wants him and why people are bidding 120 million euros for him and why Arsenal are pretending they want him and bidding 20 million euros less than has already been rejected. <laughs> I think we'd be buying a player who's who would already take us up a level, who has just got pace to burn and pace is so, so dangerous and you just know that he's got so much more to improve and that he could be the best player in the world in four or five years time so if funds were unlimited and the world, world were elster I'd, I'd get Mbappe. Mm. Um, I mean this is somewhat this works out quite well considering that the Champions League finals tomorrow night we're recording this on Friday evening yes this is definitely somewhat influenced by his nationality but the next player down from Griezmann in terms of adding goals and sort of at the level that you would want in terms of a ready-made forward to drop into the United side the person that comes to mind straight away for me is Gareth Bale obviously there's obviously there's a layer of risk to that because he has really struggled for fitness over the last year or so and just this evening, actually, Miguel Delaney just put up a, something on the Independent saying that the subject of a transfer has been broached and Madrid will be willing to negotiate with United on a deal. Obviously, that kind of plays into the hands of them in terms of a transfer for De Gea, unless we chuck an absolutely ungodly sum at them. But I, I would really, really like to have Gareth Bale at the club if we're not going to get Griezmann. You know, I think he feels like he would have a point to prove considering that the last season or so hasn't necessarily been fantastic at Real and I think the narrative if he did leave Madrid would be one from the Spanish media's perspective and we know how they like to twist things would be one of sort of an unfulfilled talent and I think coming back to the Premier League at a club like United with a point to prove I could see Bale tearing it up in the Premier League if he joined us it'd be great I would love that right let's jump back into the players uh Harriet I'm gonna give you because we've been talking about him big old Spanish Dave David De Gea Oh, Spanish Dave. There's not too much to say, really, is there? Because he is big old Spanish Dave who's super consistent and he's not had to, he's not had a lot to do. We've all been moaning a lot about all those those nil nils that we that we had to put up with, or the you know those those draws. And we don't forget what Dave has to do because you know Dave saves. It's what he it's what he does. But the thing is, it that long unbeaten run that was ever so uninspiring actually could. Not have been an unbeaten run at all if it wasn't for the key saves that Dave makes when those teams like I don't know, West Brom, unfortunately, let in, let in a couple against Stoke. But it's the moments that we all quite often forget about where he saves points because he is the top at the top of the game. So we're very lucky to have one of the best, if not the best, keeper in the world at Man United. How long he stays, I don't want to talk about it. But hopefully, you know, he's not he's not angling for a move. Madrid are obviously coming calling again. He signed a five-year deal when everything broke down. And I think he is the type of character to want to at least see that out. Uh, or at least, you know, give that a good whack. I mean, being back in the Champions League is obviously a major draw now. Because a keeper like De Gea should be challenging for Champions League titles. Because he is that good. And the longer that we can offer him Champions League football and be competing for trophies then I think, you know, the more inclined he is going to be to stay. And I'm heartened by the fact that he's not angling for the move right now because I think he might have been previously. Um, we did well to fudge those faxes at the time. But yeah, it's, I mean, Mr. Consistent, 
standout moment? Oh, man. Um, One of those 16 clean sheets, I guess. 16 clean sheets. Oh, throw that stat at me. Amazing. Yeah, 16 clean sheets. I mean, that, that's got some serious fantasy league points for people this year. We could talk about him all night. I mean, everybody loves him, part of the three amigos. And you can see how much he cares about the club as well in you know, the way he celebrates and social media. Big love for Big Dave. Right, let's go for Marcus Rojo. Marcus Rocco, my friend. Ah, see, this is the hashtag redemption story right here after last year's absolute slaying of Rocco by Richard. Like a phoenix from the Which flames. He, just, 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 just to be reminded, uh, Richard actually said, and I'm quoting here, the best highlight that Rocco gave us this season was when he left the pitch because that's hopefully the last time he was ever going to play for United. did say that, I can confirm that. Yeah, Marcus Rocco, phoenix from the flames. A great redemption story. I guess you, you could say that I don't think there have been a huge number of players from the existing squad that Mourinho has had an incredible positive impact on as individuals. I think there are probably four or five that we could point to that that have improved a lot, and he'd obviously be one of them. You know, I think we could all look back to the the Swansea game in in October. Mourinho was in a huff with Smalling because he didn't want to play because he had a broken toe or something. And Eric Bailly was injured as well, and so he had to draft in. Phil Jones and Rocco, we all feared the worst. And they both turned out for that for quite an extended period to be to be really rather good. And whilst Phil couldn't keep up well his own fitness and his own form, Rocco did until until his horrible injury. I mean it's kind of what what we knew he before. He's an absolute disaster at left back. And if he's gonna play left back then yes, I would never want to see him on a pitch for United ever again. But what the brief period that he played at centre back under Van Hal, he was a lot more competent than than at left back. And also, I mean, if you look back now, he, he managed to marshal Paddy McNair through quite a few games and make him look like a competent footballer, which, with the benefit of hindsight, was was quite an achievement. As a moment for the season for Rocco, I'd say probably his goal, just because he's, I think it was his first league goal for us against against Bournemouth, and it was just nice to see his his lovely face smile. Oh, I suppose the other one, the other one would be the Chelsea game where he did a superb job on Diego Costa. I mean, how Rocco didn't get sent off at any point this season is still... It boggles my mind. I don't know how he didn't get his marching orders. I know. There were about three games in a row where he put in ridiculous two-footer challenges, weren't there, I think? Proper nasty reducers. Yeah, and I mean, he doesn't even... You know, Herrera gets away with stuff because he looks like Herrera and he, and he clearly... <laughs> you know, butter would literally not melt. Whereas Rocco just looks like a shit house, doesn't he? Which he is. And but he seems to still get away with it. I don't know whether it's a cheeky smile or the rest feels sorry for his toast making abilities or I don't know what. But yeah, he's come back out of nowhere and the injury was particularly cruel for him just because of how well he'd been playing. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if well I mean certainly you could we could have said at the start of last season that he was uh, this season, sorry, that if if any of the four centre backs were going to be vulnerable this summer, you know, he'd probably be the first and as things stand Aside from Bai, I'd say said he's the next safest, and that's testament to to him. And we just have to hope he can come back as physically strong and coordinated and everything else as as before. Right, where are we, Ewan? I'm going to go for Antonio Valencia. Tony V. I mean, his moment of the season immediately is his goal versus Middlesbrough for just <laughs> chasing down Victor Valdez, you know, Agent Valdez, and then having an open goal to score. And then still deciding that he was going to shoot with his right foot, which was just remarkable. Absolutely beautiful. Again, just like Romero, just like Rojo, to a lesser extent Fellaini, he is someone that has been 
transformed seems like the the wrong word because we know that Valencia in particular can be more effective than he was under Van Hal. But Valencia has turned into a massive player for United under Mourinho. And it's no accident that he got the armband in the final in Stockholm. He's been great for us all season. He hasn't necessarily been absolutely superb in one single game or turned it for us. But he's just been so steady and consistent at right back. You know, he's just... The cyborg properties to that man are absolutely unreal. You know, he's still so fit in his early 30s. He still runs that wing so well. He does give us a lot on that right-hand side. And I guess the only thing is you kind of wish that that was mirrored on the left-hand side of the pitch so the likes of Martial could get a bit more support. But he really is great for the likes of Matter when he's playing out on the right because it means that he's got someone with the legs who will trap back and do that work but also support him and someone that can go on the outside and offer a bit of pace. So, yeah, I mean, again, he's someone who signed a contract and he's gonna, that's going to take him through to 10 years at the club, 2019. You know, he's going to get that testimonial, which is incredible because he's had several seasons at this club that have been decidedly mayor. This was not one of them at all. You know, he got the Players Player of the Year award for a very good reason. He's been so solid and consistent for us. And long may it continue. Right, Harriet, you have got Phil Jones. Phil Jones. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm going to go straight in with a moment of the season because it just sums the boy up. Uh, is when he got injured on England duty in a tackle, apparently, with Chris Smalling, where he needed to go for an x-ray on a broken toe. I mean, that's a bit unjust, to be fair, because, as we said about Marcus Rojo and the unlikely partnership that they formed when other centre-backs were falling by the wayside, he's actually had... A relatively decent season when he's been fit. And this is the first season that he's surpassed 20 appearances, I think, since 13, 14. So he's been he's been in out in out of sides um, for the last couple of seasons. So he hasn't played more than 20 uh, since 15, in 15, 16 season. So for him to come back and kind of try and reinvent himself under, under Mourinho, you know, a lot of that was due to the circumstances, but you can only take an opportunity when it's given to you and forming that that partnership with Marcus Rojo where none of us would have picked that pairing at centre-back at the beginning of the season especially not you Rich no I think he might have one more chance to prove himself to Mourinho I mean he was dubbed as being a future United captain um, by Sir Alex I think at one point after his performances for Blackburn we you know, his propensity to getting injured has curtailed any sort of development because it seems that every time he gets a run in the team, he'll then launch into a ridiculous tackle and injure himself. So if he can, under Mourinho, develop a bit more of a, I don't know how to put this politely, a bit more common sense, we might have a player on our hands. But again, it seems to me that we're constantly talking about potential with Phil Jones. The guy's 25 he should be well past the conversations of potential and, you know, performing consistently now. So whether or not he gets a, a third, fourth, fifth chance to prove himself uh, and his fitness remains to be seen. Um, but for his part and the, the part he played in that unbeaten run and his partnership with Rojo, let's go for... I'm going to give him a six. Solid six. This seems to be a, a score of the evening. Six out. Right, who have you got for me, H Dog? I have Timothy Fosu Mensah. Timothy Fosu Mensah. Right. Well, 
a disappointing one purely because we didn't see more of him. You know, when he has played, I still get the sense that we've got a proper gem on our hands in terms of a defender and a versatile player who, like Blind, can play in you know quite a, a defensive role in midfield, can do well at centre back, but also can get forward when playing at right back. You know, think back to that performance against Spurs at White Hart Lane where we just completely fell apart without him on the pitch, and he can be a real talent. You know, and I think. The disappointment was that we didn't get to see more of him before he uh, sort of essentially put his body on the line for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes or so in the derby at the Etihad a couple of weeks ago and got himself injured. You know, it was it was nice to see him back in the Palace game. But as Rich alluded to last week, he alongside Twan Zebe, you kind of think, well, if they're not going to get more opportunities this next season and with the, you know, the added importance of playing in the Champions League is over the Europa League, you would imagine the youngsters won't get much of a shot in Europe. It seems like a good chance for him to go out alone. I really hope that we can make something out of him because I think he can be a cracking player for us and I hope we get to see more of him because I really like him too. Rich, you have got Ashley Young. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> Ashley Young. Ashley Young. Ash- Ashley Young just exists, doesn't he? He exists every so often. He Two or three times a season, he's, he's drafted into playing left-back or left-wing-back. He does a pretty decent, solid job of it, goes away, continues to earn £100,000 a week. Occasionally, well, it does wonderful things because he's another wonderful human being that we have within the squad um, and seems seems like a thoroughly nice man. And I think Mourinho probably values his presence just because he, he knows that in when all else fails, he can bring Ashley Young in and he'll follow instruction. He'll do a pretty solid job wherever he's slotted in. I think he's a bit like Fellaini in that perhaps he was the Fellaini before Fellaini in that he became symbolic of um, a player who was bought who perhaps wasn't at the standard of the players that he was replacing and and kind of became symbolic of supposedly declining standards of at the club but he's you know he's he's endured hasn't he i think part of it is because he's english part of it is because i think he's a you know he's now an experienced player and because he's incredibly versatile and you know can slot in you know rare chance that he's needed i can't honestly say that he's had a moment of the season other than just coming in and being six out of ten whenever he's been asked to but got to captain the side against chelsea he did get that's true that's absolutely true the thing the thing with ashley young for me is that i'll never be able to see past the moment that bird shit in his mouth (laughs) Um, (laughs) he swears down that didn't happen (laughs) i'll cut what he did so, you know, after that, after that, I, I struggle to remember anything else happened, happened in this time at United. And, I, and I'm, I know other things did happen, but that was by far one of my favourite moments in, in the last five or six years. So mm. I've got Harry. I, I'm going to give Harry Zlatan. Zlatan. Oh, I remember way back when we signed him, there were questions whether he would adapt to the Premier League, the pace of it, the demands of it. I remember a few people saying that he definitely wouldn't get past six goals. I think one of my colleagues mentioned to me, didn't put any money on it, unfortunately, because he'd owed me quite a lot. 28 appearances in the Premier League, 17 goals. I mean, he's a world-class finisher. And to come and take on the Premier League, which was the one question that really remained kind of hanging over him, to come and dominate in in the league at your first time of asking in your 30s uh, is quite a remarkable feat. I mean, we've had discussions on the podcast about the way that United play when he's in the team and when he's not performing very well, it affects the whole team, you know, we're very slow. But the thing is, he is one of those players that 
can turn a game on its head in an instant. And he's a big game player. Moment of the season, I mean, I was at Wembley when that header went in against Southampton when, you know, we'd gone 2-0 up and then came back to draw 2-2 and I'm thinking, oh God, here we go. But he didn't necessarily have the greatest of games, but he popped up with two massively important goals for us in terms of, you know, getting a, men- a winning mentality back into the club because it it's not been there, been quite fragile in the last couple of seasons, but he is a winner and he oozes that that mentality throughout the squad and you can see the impact that he's had. He wants to win and I mean it's it was really disappointing his way you know, the way his season ended getting that uh, anterior cruciate ligament injury. But, you know, seeing him celebrate with the squad last week and standing in front of that wonderful banner was quite the moment not the mo- not the moment of the season mm. for him. But um I think it's been brilliant to have him in a United shirt this season and whether he stays next season obviously there's questions about that and whether you know we want to rely on mid 30 striker but I think we needed somebody of his caliber to come in and it just seemed to be the perfect you know time was right came in at the right time under the right manager under the right circumstances and he's done everything that he's been asked to do and then some. yeah I mean he is all about goals and that's what he's provided isn't it this season exactly you know, 28 of them which considering that we haven't had a player break the 20 goal barrier since Van Persie in his first season at the club that is not insignificant whatsoever I mean there's this chat from Mino Raiola this week saying that Zlatan is minded to stay in the Premier League and would like to stay at United I think it's mm. it's difficult to know how to place that really isn't it because there's a there's a part of you that wants to say all right we'll stick around but then you sort of think about the fact that Zlatan just kind of demands to start most games when he's fit so what would you do with that I mean he's probably not going to be fit until what December November and at that point you'd really hope that United would be a lot more locked in with their attack than they have been the last couple of years what would chucking Zlatan back into that side mean and I'm not necessarily sure that if it was me I'd really want to chuck him back into that team if he was in a reduced role and he was aware of that, then that'd be absolutely fine. That'd be great. And as an option and someone who could rotate up front, that'd be all right. But I think if it's going to be another half season like we've just seen last year where Mourinho literally just never, ever substituted him, I'm not sure I'll be up for that. What about you, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I think from, from Rayola's perspective, the um, the main thing is that quite clearly nobody's going to pay him for the next six months. <laughs> I mean, no one needs to pay him for the next six months, really. Well, no one needs to pay him for the next six months, but you know, nobody's nobody's going to take him on the contract for next season, June or July. In a way, he's he's kind of been a, a victim of of his own brinkmanship over the option for a second year at the club, because I think it's quite clear that Mourinho would have tied into a to the second year of his deal if Ibrahimovic had committed to it, but he didn't, and he got an injury, and I guess ultimately he's the loser in the situation. I, I can't see the logic in keeping him around. Uh, of giving him another contract for next season. You don't know when he's going to be back and surely we've got to make a longer-term decision about a centre-forward now. If you assume that Rashford is going to be one option who's going to play quite a lot of games there and you need a second forward to a second strike lead forward as well. Does Latin want to spend four or five months at the end of the season being third choice and sitting on the bench? I don't think that's a benefit to anybody. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he got back to fitness before anybody expects it, but I just can't see the logic of United paying him to recuperate, to be honest. No. Harriet, who have you got for me? Let's go with Eric Bailly. Eric Bailly, I was looking at that. 
what a very very pleasant surprise you know i can't say i was necessarily aware of old eric before he signed for us but Mourinho is very very good at sourcing defenders is he not and he's done a pretty good job with most of our defenders this season at least some of the ones who had narratives that were leaning towards them leaving the club or not necessarily being that good and by has been the best of the lot you know he has surprised i think all of us with his commitment his effort his energy his strength his tackling has been pretty much superb and he's injected a bit more sort of i guess the easiest way to describe it is a bit more of a hard man about united defense now with him in there he just doesn't take any crap does he he's he's a proper presence you know two red cars this season in competition also uh suggests that there is a bit of a, a streak in there too but yeah, I I've really really enjoyed watching him. You know, he is the very definition of a no nonsense defender. He gets in, gets the job done, and I think at the f- maybe the first couple of games of the season we were kind of concerned about how his rashness would play out and how you know he might let himself get into reckless situations. But I think he seemed to settle so quickly that just became a secondary concern. And when he wasn't in the team, you know, it was noticeable. We had a little bit less uh, bark about us. So, yeah, very, very glad to have him at the club. And I think that was an excellent signing. And moment of the season, no goals, but I think we'll all agree the moment where he suddenly slid across the shot when uh, Rashford scored that late winner against Hull earlier on <laughs> the season is the perfect moment. Just, it was wonderful because you didn't even see him coming. Suddenly you just see this blob just slide across the pitch in the wet absolutely marvelous he's properly getting stuck in the thick of it i adored it right rich uh axel twanzebe yeah it's difficult to know how to assess axel twanzebe or his chances of a future at united under Mourinho because we still don't know if Mourinho is actually willing to throw academy players or young players in to competitive matches so he played him briefly in pre-season and eulogised about him and said he could saw enough in 10 minutes to know that he was a, a terrific talent and then didn't play him again until the end of the season when everything, you know, but essentially when we, we throw toss off the league. To, to and Zebby's credit, he's, he, he came in, he played right back, then he was a sort of holding midfielder and also he played at centre-back and I don't think he looked out of his depth in any of those positions. I mean, he did a terrific job on Alexis Sanchez on his debut twice played as a holding midfielder and didn't look like a defender playing in midfield in that position either like Eric Bailly he's they're both clearly very impressive athletes quick he's strong he's agile there's clearly something there there's a real talent there the question is what happens now because as you said with Fossi Mensa really Fossi Mensa lost the season he stayed at United and he's he's barely played he had a kick and you could see in the Palace game at the end of the season, he was still just as raw as he had been, as we'd seen under Van Gaal. And it would be a real shame if the same thing happened to, to Enzebi as well. A large part of me hopes that he goes on loan next season. It has to be the right the right loan, but, but he goes on loan to a good club where he can play every week and really develop as a player. Because I think there's a really good player in there if he's allowed to develop and if Mourinho ultimately trusts him enough to give him a chance when he... You know, when he comes back from Malone, or, or even if you trust him next season, just as long as he gets games somewhere, I think he's good enough to have a shot at making it at United. So I'll throw Ander in the direction of Harriet. Oh, Ander. Uh, what to say about Ander? I mean, he's had a, a brilliant first season under Mourinho, considering how much of an almost peripheral figure he was under 
Van Hal, this has been a really kind of important and special season for him. Uh, there's even even links with Barcelona. Keep your mitts off. But he's uh, he's played so well this season and been kind of a mainstay uh, in the team that, that Barcelona are after him. I mean, he's got that grit and determination, a bit of nastiness. He can be a bit of a bastard. Uh, can I say that? <laughs> um, oh, bit, yeah, could, I think we said worse. I yeah, I mean, it. he could be a bit of a bastard in midfield and we've, we've needed that for a while. Um, he's got a bit of bite about him, but he's also a really intelligent player. He's really determined and when he's given a particular role, as he was against Chelsea both times in the FA Cup. He went a bit far, well, controversially, in the game at Stamford Bridge in the FA Cup. But when he was given that task by Mourinho again to uh, man-mark Eden Hazard, uh, he did it superbly. And not only did he do that, he set up Marcus Rashford with a phenomenal three-pass and scored the really important second. Under Louis van Gaal in van Gaal's season, first season, he played, started two games out of 20, but that's been a complete polar opposite this season. Yeah, it's been an interesting one with Ander, isn't it? He, at the start of the season, at least for the first couple of games, he was the one who was missing out. And I think ever since he actually came into the side, it's been essentially impossible to drop him. So sort of the perception around him since Mourinho has come in is that he is almost a certain starter, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, his mentality has a lot to do with that. Mourinho wants players to, to bleed for him wants them to play through injuries but he also wants them to take responsibility for for how they play I think quite a lot of people will have seen that Ander directed uh, Mkhitaryan into the box just before he scored he scored the second in the Europa League final so um, so it's that kind of thinking that I think Mourinho really appreciates and the fact that he will do everything in his power to get United over the line and he just gets it you know I mean we've had this kind of conversation before about players just getting it and it's kind of an intangible thing but you can see that it means so much to him to play for Man United. Mm, No I completely agree I mean I think that's one of the great things about Ander is that his affection for the club is very genuine which is one of the reasons why he's so loved by so many fans at the club and you know in, in terms of leadership in terms of his ability to just keep on going his work rate his effort and his clear determination to work for United and Mourinho as it looks like Rooney is going to be gone by the end of this summer, you're looking at pure captain material as far as I'm concerned. What about um, moment of the season? Um, I think that's that's a difficult one between all three moments, really, from the Chelsea game at Old Trafford. So that through pass to get things going and Marcus Rashford finishing that off. His goal and that celebration, uh, again, the, the getting it kind of thing, that pure release of emotion. Um, and the fact that he had Eden Hazard in his pocket for the whole game. I mean, he has been a shining light throughout the season because he's been pretty consistent. Um, but I'd say I'd say that match was, was by far his best. Um, so, who have we got left? Uh, let's go for Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford, OK. Um, I think moment of the season, there's actually too many for Rashford. I mean, you could look at the way that he took that goal against Chelsea when he was playing as the striker alongside Jesse Lingard as a good reminder of just how deadly he can be in those sort of situations when we do play with a bit more pace, when we're not playing up front with Zlatan and when he's not having to fit around uh, a slightly immobile striker. And then the way that he dug so deep in that Anderlecht second leg to get the goal that got us through, 
the free kick against Celta Vigo, the cross for Fellaini in the second leg of that tie. And you could even say the final performance, whereas, you know, we said last week he ran the channel so well, he kept on chasing stuff down. And then maybe against Chelsea when uh, <laughs> Ander got sent off in the first half and he just kept on chasing after the ball, even if it was to a dead end. He has not had the easiest of second seasons by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that partially he is a victim of Mourinho not rotating a bit more up front, not being willing to take Zlatan out of his team on a more frequent basis. So I think he and Martial have struggled a bit as a result of that. But there's just so clearly something so great about him. He is such a brilliant finisher when he and such a great creator as well. You know, he is clearly got many many strings to his, his, his bow but i'm also on the flip side of that i'm kind of glad that united fans just seem to be enjoying him as opposed to placing too much expectation and not burdening him i think that's been one of the the benefits of perhaps having a slightly reduced role this season because you know we, we were all so excited about him towards the end of van Hal's second season and then he you know he was playing with england and everything and given his age i guess there would have been a tendency to sort of you know compare and contrast and perhaps place too much expectation and I don't think I've seen that he still seems to be mostly playing with a freedom and the first half of the season at points was very difficult for him but I think he's come through that and I think there have been plenty of occasions where he's shown us just what a great talent he is and how important it could be for the future that's also kind of feeds into transfer as well in terms of you thinking of who United will bring in now it seems like Ibrahimovic is going to be out for you know at least half of this next year do you want to bring someone in who is an out-and-out striker who will then be competing with Rashford or do you want to bring a wide player or a number nine who could sort of link in with him quite well and maybe offer a new dimension to our attack who knows but one thing is very much for sure I'm so so glad we've got him (laughs) Richard you have the last one and we have been going for one hour and 36 minutes at this point you have the indefatigable Paul Pogba if you you think think about the, the conditions that he came into this season in. He essentially joined after the season already started. He'd had no pre-season at all. He was still playing basketball in America and swanning about in hot tubs with Minoreola while we were playing at Bournemouth. He became the most expensive footballer in the world with all the pressure that that, that brings with it. And, and with that, there was clearly an expectation amongst a, a rather large cross-section of football fandom that because he cost lots, meant he, he had to score lots of goals. And if he didn't score lots of goals, then he was rubbish. Whereas I think we've got what we thought we were getting, which is which is an incredibly dynamic midfielder who's multi-talented. We, I think we Mourinho took a while to find the best position for him. Charlie was a number 10 at times, and that it's not really his skill set there. And we, at various points, tried to play with him in the two-man midfield and, and that really sort of blunts his talents because he's just too deep in that position he's not an exceptional defender he can, can at times be a slightly scary defender particularly when he's in his own box the position or the role that clearly gets the most out of him is as a midfielder who can carry or pass the ball from in the middle third and create and he's he's so multi-talented he can pass he he's the first united midfielder in quite a while since since those early Halcyon days when we thought that Anderson might really turn out to be a competent footballer, where <laughs> who can really dribble and burst past midfielders, and we haven't had that that avenue. Scholes was a great passer and a great mover, 
but, but we haven't had a midfielder who could break the lines, beat players and commit players. And, and these are things that, unless you're watching every week, you don't necessarily see. And I think the thing you struggle at this season is, is to impact the very biggest games. And if you're only tuning in to watch him against City or Chelsea or whoever, then you, you might not necessarily have a, a good picture of how he's played this season. I think it's safe to say that if anybody in our team could shoot straight, he'd have at least double the number of assists that he has now. And there were points in the season where his link-up play, with, particularly with Ibrahimovic, was was just brilliant. Particularly those direct balls over over a defence to Ibrahimovic, which we scored four or five goals from during the sort of middle section of the season. And and the wonderful thing to to know is that there's so much more to come from him. He's 24. He's got so much so much more developing to do. And I think when he's got better players around him, one of the great things for him at Juventus was there was so much quality in that side that he didn't have a responsibility to change every game. He could have games where he's more conservative. He could have games where things didn't come off and people didn't get on his back because there were so many other players there who were winning games for them. And he hasn't had that at United. And I think that if, I mean, touch wood, United bring in higher quality players, that that onus will not be on him anymore to do that something special that wins games where United is struggling at nil-nil or struggling to score a goal. And I think that will be the making of him. I think he's had a decent, he's had, he's had a, a very good season, in my opinion. And I think we've only seen 60% of what he can give us over the next few years. And I think we should be very excited. Yeah. What about moment of the season for you? I think you'd have to say the deflected goal in the final, not because it was the greatest goal he scored all season, because it clearly wasn't. It was a pretty rotten scuff shot that just got the deflection and went in. But it looked quite cathartic for him. And, you know, given the season we've, we've had I think it's important for him to do something decisive for us this season and you know considering where he's come from and all the trophies he's won at Juventus he looked as delighted as anybody to be lifting that trophy for United he needed that and I think we needed that I suppose I suppose for sheer adrenaline probably the the winning goal against Middlesbrough was a particularly exciting moment but in terms of the importance of the goal for him and for us it's got to be the, the, the goal in the final against Ajax. Yeah, I mean, the Middlesbrough one was quite interesting because basically he helped to turn that game on its head. You know, we were really struggling up to that point and, you know, we would come up against such a an, a, a brick wall in Valdez that evening, uh, an afternoon at Old Trafford. And then one really well, lo- well-placed long ball to Zlatan, knocked down, Martial equalises and then Matt across and Pog was on the end of it. You know, he, he helped to turn that game. And I know a lot of fans will want to see more moments like that where he's able to influence, you know, some of the smaller games as well as the bigger games but I, I agree with you Rich I think he in trying circumstances because there has been so much expectation and because of the burden that you know an 89 million pound price tag places on you I think that's kind of been quite restrictive and I agree you know if you watch him week in week out he has played some magnificent football you know he's had a couple of periods of, you know where his form has dipped to a certain extent which is fair you know I've what I'm glad for now is that he's got the summer off where he's not playing a major international tournament and we should get the very best out of him. What about you, Harriet? Oh, yeah, I agree with, with all of that. I think I think that would be the, the key thing, actually, what you just said about him having a, a summer off because I think the fans sometimes take that for granted that, you know, these <laughs> these players are human. They, they need the time to rest and recuperate and, and also to then have a pre-season where you're, you're getting to know your new teammates, 
new signings that come in, I think that's that's going to be really important. I mean, I mean, like you said, if you've not seen him play week in, week out uh, all season, you, you, you kind of get a bit of a, a false impression of, of the season that he's had because he's not been scoring the wonder goals week in, week out and grabbing games by the scruff of the neck like he did at Juventus. But he's been doing an equally as important job in a, in a, diff, in a very different team set up and the way he does cover the ground when he needs to and the vision that he's got to play I mean that pass to, to Harrop for his debut goal was sensational and he, he does that without even thinking about it and that creativity is something that, that we've we've desperately needed uh, in the last few seasons and I'm looking forward to his his second season so to speak. Hmm. Uh, speaking of which that actually brings to an end our second season of the podcast guys we we did it it took one hour and 45 minutes but we got through the entirety of our squad Woo, get in beautiful Ooh. right richard harriet thank you very very much for your company this evening it's been an absolute pleasure to do this i've had a lot of fun yeah it's been great yeah, absolutely right then that's us now done for our second full season so obviously it's another opportunity for me to remind you that you're all fantastic and we are so very very grateful to each and every one of you for listening thanks so much for your support your tweets your messages we hope you know that it's all very very much appreciated so if you're not already don't forget you can get us all over the interwebs you can get our twitter account at, at red voices MFC. you can get me at at you and Leonard, rich at richard can 76 harriet at hm drudge Paul at PaulGunning1 and Kevin at Kevin T. Lev. And also there's our website, www.redvoices.net. On that page, should you so wish to, is a donate page. Anything you can provide would be wonderful. It just helps with running costs. So just to sign off on what has been a rather up and down season, but ended in the most wonderful way, I cut together a nice little tribute for the season. I hope you all enjoy it. We will see you guys next season. Have yourselves a perfect, awesome summer. Take care and goodbye. Shield in the past. Across in towards Ibrahimovic! Who scores here? Rooney gets away from El Mahamadi and he slides away! Special. There's Valencia. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mkhitaryan in the middle. That is special. This famous stadium has seen some wonderful goals down the years. That is right up there. Hanging on. Matter, who's made a difference and can do so again. And the head out by Kappa. It's just like the old Manchester United. No mountain too steep.